Welcome to Parallel Radio, and we are back after a little bit of a summer break, um, and I'm happy to have everyone here, and today we have a special guest, and our guest is James, I don't actually know your surname, Smart, James Smart, who runs a cafe called Save the Date, and Save the Date is part of a bigger, wider project called The Real junk food project. So, um, James, can you just introduce a little bit about the concept? What is Save the Date? And if you could speak right into your microphone. So, Save the Date is a concept which was developed a year ago. Um, we waste 1.3 billion tons of perfectly good food every year in the world. And there's plenty of hungry mouths out there. Um, the idea is that this food could be used to almost feed everybody who is well, basically, if you took all the waste food in here, it would provide seven meals per week for each person of the world's population. So if we were to all combat this, we could slowly, maybe one day, finish world hunger. I'm not saying I'm going to do it myself, because that's just a ridiculous claim. But if people start to take note and use this system, then we've got a chance. Does everyone know what we mean by waste food? Is that, uh, th is that clear to everybody? Um, <laughs> All right, thanks, Walter. I'm just, I'm just, the reason I'm asking is because, I mean, it could be, so, some people might think that waste food isn't possible to use, it just goes in the dustbin. So can you explain a little bit about what you, what you mean by waste food? Um, obviously, the stuff you throw directly into the bin, I'm not going to pick out the bin and like all your offcuts, all that stuff that's meat that's out of date, that's fair enough. These things have sell-by dates for that reason, and that's because it's not healthy to eat. But there's plenty of food that we deem as waste, or surplus is the word I prefer to use, not waste, because it isn't waste. Um, it's actually surplus, so supermarkets over-order, they produce masses upon masses. We pick up 200 kilos daily sometimes, just from one supermarket in Dalston that they've just over-ordered, thought they could sell, and the best before date on it says that they have to get rid of it that day, when actually it's got a couple of weeks left on it. Then there's all kinds of household extras, so there's apps like Olio now, which actually tell people that, oh, I've got two pizzas left in my fridge, I'm not gonna eat this week, but they're still perfectly fine. Does anybody else want them? So you can use that, that's waste food. Or we have a bigger partnerships with like people like Natura, who actually go around all the Michelin star restaurants every morning and they give them their fruit and veg and they, when they're not all the perfect shape, the perfect size for them to put pretty on the plate, they don't want them. And that would just go straight into landfill usually, where we can use that food. I'm not worried about the shape, it still tastes exactly the same. I've been a chef for 12 years, I actually prefer using the veg that's a bit wonky and a bit different. It sometimes even has more flavor. And that there's all these like smaller areas of waste. I, I get where people's fear of the whole word waste comes from because most people think that's straight out the bin or, yeah, and obviously that wouldn't be healthy. So. My name's Paula Lewis. Hello. And I'm part of Silver Surfers, Hackney, uh, Dalston. Um, can you please repeat again how much food you picked up from Dalston supermarket? They throw away every two days is about 250 kilos of food. And when you pick that food up, what do you do with it? 
We store it correctly in ambient storage, which is refrigerated storage to give it its best life. So most of the food you get in supermarkets is kept out on the shelf and it's not actually cooled. So that food will last. When it's in a factory, it's there for months in a proper, like really chilled fridge. So we How put do it you get that it. food then redistributed to the community? Um, we actually cook it ourselves. Um, a lot of it, if it's... The other thing is with food, like if it's on its use-by date there, you can cook it and it has like two or three more days as a new product almost. So Who's we over we? in the cafe... Who's we? Um, me and my volunteers. We run a cafe so everyone can come. The, obviously, we don't sell the food because that would be unjust. We get all our food donated, so there's no prices on the menu. It's pay exactly what you feel. And that way, it gives access to everyone. We feed everyone from the homeless up. So, sorry. Um, in Dalston, just behind the Arcola Theatre, or down the road, down the side of McDonald's. Is it also are you also referring to as food fest? Food fest? No, that's directly behind us. <laughs> We've looked right, at that. So you have got a cafe in the middle of Dalston, bordering Hackney, Stoke Newington, which is. East London, highly deprived area, mm-hmm. and you are, <coughs> excuse me, providing free cooked meals on a daily basis for um, community. Um, yeah, pretty much. We run from fa- at the moment. We are only open Thursday to Saturday because everybody who works there is a volunteer. None of us get paid, so that is quite hard to find people all through the week. We're looking to get more and more, but like you say, exactly that. We're in the middle of Dalston. We picked it for that exact reason. We saw it has one of the highest rates of like deprived families and people around who need food and need this access. And for us, we've looked at things like food banks. They can be quite intimidating places to turn up for a start. Sometimes you need a doctor's note, all these things. We didn't want that barrier. We wanted people to be able to access good, healthy food. So we just walk through the door and sit down on the table. You got it. <laughs> and, um, you, pre- you contribute according as you think fit. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's pay as you feel. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean money. We have people who come in and they might donate something to the cafe we need. Like last week I gave someone a whole bag of fresh vegetable shopping. She gave me three bars of soap for a house that she didn't need. And that was all she paid with because that's what she could afford to bring. So. Well, it's like um, our cola theatre, pay what you want Tuesdays. Is it similar to that? Um, yeah, they've been using, there's a couple of cafes around us now. So like a cola, a Hackney Pirates and um, one in Hoxton as well that all use the same concept on one day of a week because we've either met them through what we're doing, like our cola on our doorstep, they actually really helped us to get started. They gave us loads of, we built the whole thing from recycled material, we didn't spend any money on it. Built it ourselves in the middle of winter, which was a bit foolish for our health. Um, And they actually were really generous. They gave us loads of materials from all their like old stage productions and stuff like that. Now, I think we have an after-school club and a breakfast club in Shacklewell Lane. Um, and there's lots of poor children that, as you well know, end up going to school with no breakfast. Mm-hmm. And the community is meant to provide a breakfast for them. Do you work with, in conjunction with these um, schools? We haven't yet. We've um, Part of the reason, at the moment, we're actually shut until the 18th of Um, September because we're knocking down our old kitchen which was quite small and we've just been donated like a 20 foot shipping container and I've managed to get a whole new kitchen where I can actually bring kids in teach them about food we can get working with schools so they can maybe come like you say for a breakfast club or we were looking at doing an after school club as well where they could come after and actually 
get healthy meals while having a nice time in a like relaxed, controlled environment. So you're bringing back home economics? <laughs> well, I would if you could. <laughs> Seems to be, I think, um, from a conversation I had with James before, I think one of the problems is educate, education mm. and people understanding that just because something says used by a certain date doesn't mean that you have to throw it in the bin. And I think that's a major issue that you guys are dealing with, is the fact that, you know, you have to use your senses to understand whether something is off and usable or not. And a lot of people just read the label and chuck it out. So there's a lot of family food waste that I think you're trying to educate about. Yeah, there's a few different ways that you need to address food waste. Obviously, it's such a large problem. It'd be foolish to just approach it from one route. So, like, we want to educate the younger people. Well, actually, just educate everybody about what actual waste is. Then we want to teach kids about the supply chain, how food becomes wasted, what they can do with that food, and how it isn't waste. So, hopefully, when they grow up, they're already thinking in that way, and then this will help bring the numbers down. We obviously want to use the cafe itself as a tool to show people the, like, how healthy a meal you can make and what you can get. And then we're trying to create a real like, community spirit again because although Dalston is a great place, it, it has amazing communities around it, but a lot of the places we find are quite, well, not, I don't know the right word, they're a bit sort of individual and they block a lot of people out. And we've had a few problems ourselves just being there. Like we've had McDonald's steal our sign from the top of the road because they saw us competition. We've got a cheaper menu than theirs and random things like this that you wouldn't expect. So we're trying to break all these things down and like bring that sense of community back, which is, we're slowly getting there, I think. Yeah, it's actually, I was just gonna say that you're, if you're behind the Arcola Theatre, you're just round the corner from McDonald's. And uh, yeah. They stole our sign from the street. We caught the uh, the grill chef running away with it. <laughs> but you're uh, on, a more yeah. Yeah. on a more serious note, you're very naughty of McDonald's, but the fact that you blame them. No, I don't blame them in a way. <laughs> um, a lot of children in Hackney do not have access to the kitchen because they're living in overcrowding. They're very overcrowded. Um, living in homes that are overcrowding. So it would be a wonderful idea if they could come to your kitchen and even learn to use the utensils mm -hmm. and have access to a kitchen. What do you think? Um, that's, like you say, it's, that's a fantastic idea. Um, we fully, uh, that's the reason we've got this new kitchen, because it now gives us 40 foot of space to play with. We can have up to, in the old kitchen, we maybe would have got two children with us being alone. That's great, but it's a bit selective. And now I reckon we could probably take up to about 10, 15 children at a time. So they can use the knives and the potato instead of each yeah. other. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The other thing we're looking to do is we're partnering up with a construction firm who are going to sponsor us to make a mobile kitchen in a van where we can actually go to the schools itself. Um, and then it's easier for the schools to access that because a lot of the time they don't want to take a whole class of school kids out on a big trip somewhere because it becomes massive logistical nightmare so if we can just turn up to the school and spend one hour with those kids they get all the benefits of what we could have given them and the school gets it the easiest way possible i don't understand because you're already turning up at a school that's got a kitchen yeah but schools can be quite funny about using their their equipment for example i'd have to get special like some schools you we've tried we have done workshops in schools and there's other schools that have 
problems like insurance or they aren't insured to actually have the kids running around inside that kitchen. Whereas I'm a qualified chef, I can go in there, but for them, their insurance policy is like strictly no children past this line and things like that, which is a bit sad, really. So the space that we have got in the kitchen is not accessible to the children after a certain... It's not accessible to the children, full stop. Um, depends on the school, the borough. Um, different. I'm not sure about the exact schools around here. We had a problem with a school in Tower Hamlets when we first sort of tried to trial the scheme. They were like, there's no way any child is going through those doors. It, there's all kinds of nightmares that could happen and we don't want to be responsible, which is what started making us think about the mobile kitchen because we can obviously get insurance that covers children to be in there and the right supervision. Yeah, I hear you. Sorry. I do hear what you're saying, but it doesn't make any sense to me because if all the schools close down their doors because of something as simple as insurance and you've got to bring a mobile kitchen to teach children home economics, then are we going to bring a mobile swimming pool to teach children to swim? No, I get where you're you coming from. You need to break down it's those... Somebody needs to be seriously breaking down those barriers because children do need to know how to prepare a basic meal. No, how to make their own agree. chips, for example. No, I think you're 100% right. No, I, when I sit in on, on discussions of this nature, I wonder if I live on a different planet. Um, I'm satisfied that the government spends enormous resources on um, educating um, everyone, educating their people about um, wastes of food or anything for that matter and energy. Um, what, what I, I would prefer to look at what you say about education as, as being complementing um, the education that's already available and is widely used in schools and everywhere they come on the, on, on, on the national media and, and tell people about all these things. Everybody know about sell-by date and or use-by use date and best-before dates. These are not these are not new phenomenons. These are these are old, 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 old. No, they're not old. They're not old. Use-by date and sell-by dates. You say that just come in. They are very confusing to people. I think even around this table, most of us don't know what the difference between all those labels are and I think you come across that all the time that people are confused about what that actually means the one that really really confuses people to the highest level is sell by date but that has nothing to do with the customer and that's the one they're really trying to change it has uh, nothing to do with use by date it's nothing to that is purely for the supermarket to okay. keep it on their shelf and it, it has nothing to do with its use by day. It can last for up to three, four weeks after that day. That's the point at which the supermarket needs to rotate. Just here for a moment. Um, many moons ago, I worked in Golders Green. I was behind a supermarket, and like all the other supermarket or traders, they would have to dispose of goods. So we would go in and um, see loads brought out to their um, facility at the back, and I people would go there, so like it was convenient. Some of the workers from my um, workplace would, would, would um, often get a selection of products or goods from there which they would use. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm very familiar, so apart from that, I've seen on the television, uh, no more than a month ago, um, there was this chap who um, is moved out to the outskirts somewhere. And in fact, it was, it was a famous TV presenter, a woman, I can't remember her name right now, and she was going around, I don't know what she was trying to establish, but um, he, he, the, the way they, they've got, they're in, a, they're, they're in the field, they've made themselves a hut or some such thing, and there's a supermarket, as I was to say, not far from them, and, and they invited this lady, whatever her name was, a, a, a quite prominent um, uh, personality, to come with them, showed, they went shopping, and shopping for them wasn't going and spending money, they would go to the back of this, where, where they keep their uh, unwanted, unwanted products and, 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 and select wonderful stuff from there. That was on the radio, on the television, no more than a month ago. And anybody wants to uh, check it out to see the full details of it, but that is mm. a fact. Isn't that shoplifting? <laughs> no, um, I, I think the, the term for that is skipping, isn't it? Yeah, skipping. Um, quite a few people I know do exactly the same. And like you say, they come out with amazing stuff, but that just highlights the waste that's there to me. That's exactly what we're trying to stop. There's stuff in that that we can all eat. They're proving that. They've been out there. There's, um, you're talking about Dawn Porter, um, who went and did it for a TV program. Um, but there's also a guy called Mr. Garbage who's taken that one step even further and he's built his whole life just through waste of materials, everything around him. His waste is not one thing he's purchased in the last five years. It's not a new no, it's not a new no, phenomenon. No. It's a wonderful concept. I don't think anyone's saying it's new. It no. just is It's still a, a, a hot topic because that waste is still being put in bins and supermarkets are still throwing away tons and tons of perfectly good food. So James is just one of the many people that is finding a way to use that food and feed people with it. It's more that it's now a lot more relevant. There's, uh, we're in a real crisis point of people, like you said, on the breadline who can't afford to eat, don't have the access to kitchens for overcrowding, stuff like this, and that's perfectly good food waiting for them. So all we're trying to do is highlight that. We're not claiming to be new. We first ever concept of this was in Australia. We actually asked if we could use that concept to replicate it across the UK. Since opening one year ago, we have 38 restaurants worldwide trying to do this from all the way from Israel, Africa, France, US, um, so first one in Korea. Day, so there'll, there'll come a day when restaurants, as we've known them all our lives, will no longer, will no longer. No, that's just a, that's just adding to what you've already got. But um, your concept, although as wonderful as it may be, can only be served, uh, only serving people of mobility, people that's got mobility. There's a lot of old age people that haven't got the mobility and they are living on very limited income. Mm -hmm. um, have you got any idea how you would reach, reach them? I would love if to just be able to provide the delivery service straight off the top of my head, but obviously these things, like we say, we're a volunteer organization, we do, and we're still in our first year. Hopefully over time, we'll, we'll build and build and build, and we will be able to offer services like that. It's great from pe speaking to people like yourself, we can actually identify problems like this, things that we might not have recognized ourselves, and maybe one day we can actually provide that service or at least work with another agency or another group that might be able to provide that link and we provide the food. 
for, for example, at the moment when we first started, we weren't really happy with how many sort of homeless people we were feeding in the area because that was one of our key objectives. So we actually teamed, because we weren't getting through the door, we teamed up with a different soup kitchen down the road and we just take all the meals to them and they just serve them. Which therefore actually we're serving quite a few homeless people every week, even though they don't come directly through the door, we're still trying to get to them ourselves. Um, I just, yes, just a, a, a suggestion for you. Um, um, there is um, a great need in the temporary accommodations, particularly in Hackney. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people, it's predominantly people have addiction problems, alcohol, drugs, um, mental health problems. But one of the things that I've noticed and noted um, is it's predominantly men and they can't cook, they don't know how to cook, and they don't know how to feed themselves and look after mm -hmm. themselves. And that, that then they go on to drugs, they're mm -hmm. malnourished. Um, and one of the problems that we have with uh, modern medicine is that they're using drugs trying to correct the reactions of starvation. You know, people are just, just not eating or, so they live on drugs and takeaways. So there's, there's a great need in that sec section of the community for healthy food. Mm -hmm. um, if there are breakfasts, they just tend to be toast, white bread, butter, cup of tea, sugar, you know, just no fruit and veg, nothing. It's not even food, really. So um, I just wanted to mention that to sort of keep in mind as an outreach. Um, you probably know about, I think they're called Food for Life. It's the Krishnas. Mm -hmm. And they come out from Watford every day in a van with buckets full of fresh cooked rice and uh, sabji, which is vegetables and dal and, you know, and it's very, very cheap to produce, you know, a healthy meal. And they drive around and they have drop spots in various places in London um, where they go every day and the homeless people just queue up and they get a healthy meal. So, and there are other community projects that I know that go and collect the surplus food and a couple of times a week they make a community meal. So I know it's going on and it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I'm just interested to know, um, there's a lot of people, particularly in, in Hackney, uh, community projects that are doing this and I'd be interested to, to know how you um, approach the supermarket to make an arrangement or not, you know, to collect the food. And are yeah. you in competition with the other community <laughs> uh, projects? And you know, not quite competition. We work really closely with them. Is the if basically the bigger you are, the stronger you are. Okay. Um, we realised that when we started, we knew very little about the actual area and the other projects. Within months, we were contacting other groups like People's Kitchen and. Um, there's Food Cycle, who have just opened another place in Hackney. And, and now what we do is actually we'll, when we get certain types of food, you often find that like, we're really good at getting really fresh vegetables and fruit, whereas Food Cycle are really good at getting rice, all your dried goods, but very bad at getting fresh stuff. 
So we'll just ring up and swap with each other and we'll try to sort of balance it out because uh, we don't want to waste food ourselves. So we have a massive surplus of food because we haven't had as many people through the door. We'll ring like uh, Sarah from Food Cycle and say, do you want all of these peppers, these cabbages? And then they can use them for a good use. So it's better we found out just to work as one big group rather and we're talking about even teaming up in the current kitchen with like the people's kitchen at the moment because they lost their space recently. I think that's a, that's a really good idea. And I think Food Cycle, they do dif different locations during the week, don't mm. they? Yeah, well, they, they, they've got uh, their food banks, which are really good um, right. for access. And then they had a few cafes, but unfortunately, at the end of this month, um, a lot of them having to shut down because the rent's become so high for them. And it's an ongoing problem. We're quite lucky. Um, we got six months free rent, which allowed us to really sort of get some momentum. Yeah. Who, who owns the, the building? Is it council or is um, it the Arcola? It's actually owned by the Bootstrap Company, who are the ah, big building around it. Right. Well, they would be they would be very supportive then. Yeah, exactly. We wouldn't have done it without them, really. They gave us six mm. months for free at the beginning. Otherwise, we never would have found our feet. <laughs> That's excellent. So from what I'm hearing, also something, and one of the reasons why I invited you is that you need people to know about your cafe. Exactly. Um, so um, this, there's pay-as-you-feel-food available from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday as well? Uh, not yet. No. So three days a week, you can go and get a really amazing meal for whatever you can afford. And not enough people know about it. Yeah. Can you give us an example of the kind of things that you cook? Uh, yeah, it's um, quite a... We change the menu daily, so... Um, there's always, we, ha we try to keep it healthy, so the menu is generally 90% vegetarian, or we say it's 100% vegetarian, but you can add chicken, because we get a lot of chicken from Nando's. Um, <laughs> the cheapest Nando's you ever have. Um, and uh, yeah, so we cook, we, like, we do always do a vegetable stew, because we can put, try to put 12 different vegetables in that, just for nutrition value. So when we're feeding people, they're getting vitamins that they don't even know about, they're just trying to eat it. Um, we do quite often a Friday night curry night, which will come with uh, curry and about four or five different side dishes with it, um, all pay as you feel. Uh, we do barbecues regularly. Um, me, myself, I've been a chef all around the world, Australia, Thailand, America, um, bits of Africa, the top of Morocco and stuff. Um, so I try to bring all those influences into the kitchen when I cook. And personally, it's the best chef job I've ever had. I get to make a new menu every day and not follow a boring routine, so yeah. What, what's your hours? <laughs> Our hours, we do lunchtime every Thursday to Friday, which is um, 11 till 3. And then we're open Friday and Saturday evenings. But on a Friday and Saturday, we're pretty much open all the way through from 11 through till 11. There's no gap. And I have to say, not only is the food great, but it's also a really nice place just to meet people and hang out. And there's a I take it you've been? I've been, yeah. And there's just a lovely atmosphere. So all sorts of people just hanging out there. And you have volunteers who are quite happy to just chat and talk to people. And some of them get really involved in the kitchen as well. So that's another thing. Um, if people are interested in volunteering, I think you're always looking for people. Always looking, yeah. We had something similar age concern called League of Meals and we had a lot of Polish food and my best Polish food is potato dumplings I English potatoes <laughs> with Polish potato flour 
the United Nations, eh? That sounds pretty good, to be fair. <laughs> I, I have been involved directly in a number of these um, organizations. For example, if you went up Stoke near there, there's St. Paul's Church, and they do a lot of work for the community. So the churches are uh, uh, playing, having a role in this thing. And Age UK also um, have been prominent in this field for a long time. I've worked with them doing Lunch Club Plus and, and, and other things like Christmas time before there was all these um, people coming and, 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 and setting up their restaurants and things. And on the Rhodes Estate, for example, when we have a gathering of the, of the tenants, um, people do one of the things that you can, you can acquire, just the same as you may do books or clothes or shoes, mm -hmm. is uh, vegetables. And particularly, what maybe what I want to bring to your attention with the, with the HUK project, um, th yeah, there is an issue around men and their ability to cook and one thing or another. And, and, and when I've done, um, yeah, I had, we had a group, I can't even remember what the name of it was now, but we used to have people come down with the skills and um, and and, sh and teach teach people to cook. Everybody get involved in preparing a meal, and and do little bits and pieces. And at the end of the day, we would sit there and eat it. Mm -hmm. It's um, really encouraging to hear that, to be honest, because this is exactly what we're trying to do. Like we say, it's about education as well as just providing the healthy meal. And we want to be able to provide that service ourselves and invite people the chance to do it with children, but also you've got the old elders yeah. here. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a big, um, it's a big health, you know, the, the, the um, NHS is, 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 is very supportive of, of, of healthy eating, it's vital, um, especially when it comes to diabetes. They take scores and scores of people each week um, and, and, and expose them to knowledge of um, what a healthy meal is. Yeah, not only, and, and, and they do booklets and books about... Um, but you're right, if yeah. you can be told what a healthy meal is, but if you don't know how to cook it, you can't eat it. So there's n you're not going to get healthier. You're going to continue eating things like out of a tin or just ready meals or takeaways, which is why it's so important to give people this chance to actually learn about cooking the good healthy food itself. Can I just ask you a question with regards to the age group of the children you will be um, teaching to cook in the schools? Um, it, that is a good question because we, we'd love to teach everybody from right as soon as they can pick up a knife and learn, but I think realistically we'd have to sort of start from about ages 10 to 15 at first for our own benefit just so we can learn it's a bit easier to manage for ourselves because this is all a new concept to us as well the teaching side we've got the skills but we want to make sure they get the most out of it so. and will the course be accredited uh, it will be completely on us yeah we'll be we don't have any real costs apart from the rent of our kitchen so we well, will, will you be giving them a certificate to say that they have done a cookery co cooking course and yeah of course they can <laughs> go off with that certificate and maybe get a job 
in the school kitchens? Um, I think, well, for us to do that, they have to be over 16, but we do offer well, this service at the moment. I have, we have one volunteer who uh, doesn't work at the moment. He's a bit older, and I said to him the other day, you're really good in the kitchen. Would you like me to teach you your level two like, qualification so I can, you could actually leave here and go and work in the kitchen up to like basic food preparation? which we, could, we are working with the government who will now provide us the free qualification as long as people, the only thing is if you've got a degree, they already class it as you've learned something so they won't give you the course for free, but we're looking to subsidize that ourselves anyway. So. Yeah, because a lot of um, children um, probably won't see working in the school kitchens as a career, but it is a very good career, especially mm -hmm. if it's been introduced to them in a positive way. And then you would, we would have um, young people from the area delivering a very important service to young people in the area. So if you was to teach them how to prepare a meal and they go back to their schools and work in their school kitchens, mm -hmm. I think it would be a wonderful, wonderful. No, can't help but agree. <laughs> So um, before we think we'll round up quite quickly. Has anyone got any other questions? Y you might want to uh, bid for a contract with Meals on Wheels. <laughs> I've seen I'll put some the meals they can run around for me. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen some the food that's prepared, and it's really not very healthy or very appealing, unfortunately. Um, could you uh, once again? Um, repeat the information about of where you are mm -hmm. and uh, the times that you're open and yeah, for, for the listeners, please. Um, I think the most important thing is to notice that we're not open now until the 18th of September because I don't want anybody to come all the way down just to find the gate shut and feel left out. Um, we're open Thursday, which is um, 11 till 3 for lunch. We don't open Thursday evening. And then Friday and Saturday, we're open from 11 to 11, all the way through. So trying to get as much access for people as possible. And we're on Abbott Street in Dalston, which is the road down the side of McDonald's behind the big yellow gates. And if people want to volunteer, what kind of help do you need? Everybody's welcome. You'd be amazed at the range of skills people bring to it. We have people who have come into the kitchen, we have people who do front of house, we have people who do things all behind the scenes from marketing to just going around spreading the word, finding new volunteers even. Um, everybody has a different set of skills. They can all be used at the end of the day. Um, we like to make people feel welcome. Whatever you can bring, bring, we'll, we'll make use of it. Okay. Just oh. for you, um, sitting listening to this conversation, um, the, the, the prominent people that come to mind is Jamie Oliver. He's around all the kitchens and trying to educate the young, doing a lot to educate the young people, and he's the only um, high-profile person in that capacity. And um, they, they, they're doing it because of uh, concerns about the nation's health and mm -hmm. obesity and things like that. It's funny you should say his name. We uh, did a TV program with him about four months ago, and we're also working uh, with Hugh Fernley Whittenstall, who's got one coming out next month, which will focus the Real Junk Food Project in that sense too. He does get around. You yeah. can see him on television, various <laughs> television programs, um, bringing people back into into 
proper management of their of their of their business, which they spend their own money setting up and running. But for some reason, without the Jamie Oliver touch, it doesn't pay. No, it, it, I completely agree. Um, once he puts his name on it, everyone listens. It's just a bit sad sometimes that it takes that. Thank you so much, James. What um, they're always on Channel 4 when it's those two, because they pretty much own those channels now for food. Um, <laughs> the one was on back in January, and the next one's due to come out October. They haven't given the release date, I'm guessing mid-October. Um, they won't tell us the name, it's just Hugh Fenley with still conquering waste at the moment. So He's doing a 12-part series, I think it is. Thank you so much, James, and I think we're all inspired, and hopefully everyone will be inspired to go and try some of the food at Save the Date, or even volunteer. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Parallel Radio. Parallel Radio.